0: Welcome to The Pet Perspective. I'm joined today by Joe Inglis, who is a vet, co-founder of Tails.com and founder of Vet Chef, which offers personalized diets and recipes for dogs. Thanks for joining me today, Joe. My pleasure. So we're going to be talking about doggy diets. But to start, when I eat or when humans eat a lot of sugar, for example, or pasta for lunch, we can feel tired and sluggish in the afternoon can't we or if we have too much caffeine we can feel hyper alert or anxious what I want to know is is it the same for dogs does what a dog eats affect their mood or their behavior I
1: think it's, it's certainly true to say that dogs are what they eat I mean in the same way that people are what they eat so really diet is fundamentally essential to the health and well-being of our dogs I think in terms of their mood and their mental well-being, there's less evidence to back up the fact that a certain type of diet is going to affect their mood. But there's there's certainly people who believe that a high-protein diet will cause dogs to be more uh, energetic or or, uh, exacerbate behavioral problems. But again, there isn't really any good quality research to back that up. So thankfully, we don't tend to feed our dogs too many high-sugar foods so they don't tend to get that sort of sugar rush and crash that we do so i think that's more of a human problem
0: i mean my dog's hyper all of the time no matter what he eats so i i definitely don't feed him he doesn't need any extra sugar or any caffeine in his diet so what are the main problems then that you see dog owners facing when it comes to their pups nutrition why can finding the right diet for your dog be so tricky
1: I think the biggest problem that pet owners face, and maybe not be too aware of, is obesity. I mean, that's really the number one problem that nutrition is linked to. And you know, there's various bits of research say that somewhere between thirty and fifty percent of our dogs in this country are overweight or obese. So it's a, it's a shockingly large number, and that leads to all sorts of health problems from arthritis, heart disease, liver disease, cancer. You know, it, it's linked to a, a massive range of, of issues that affect the well-being of our pets. So really finding a diet that is appropriate for your dog and feeding it in the right quantity for their lifestyle is really the, I think if you're going to have one goal about nutrition, that should be it, you know, an appropriate diet and feeding the right amount. You know, there are a myriad of different ways you can feed your dog from from raw to dried kibble to homemade, you know, and and all of them can work really well. So people shouldn't be too focused on the, the type of food they're feeding, but more on, well, is the food within that type providing all the nutrients that my dog needs and um, crucially the right number of calories to suit their lifestyle.
0: That's very true we know also that there was a survey I think and it said 80% of, of dog owners state that their dog is a healthy weight but actually 50% up to 50% are overweight or obese so there is this kind of big dissonance there between between the awareness of the problem and the problem itself. Let's talk a little bit more about obesity then and and, and overweight pups. How can an owner know when their dog might be getting a little bit too chubby?
1: So the best way to tell if your dog is the right weight or not is to use a technique called condition scoring. And this is, it's more accurate than just weighing your dog, because obviously every dog is a different shape and size and their their optimum weight will be different. So obviously even two Labradors or or two Jack Russells will have different optimum weights. So you can't say that a Labrador should be 32 kilos because it depends on their individual genetics and size. So condition scoring is where you look at various aspects of their dog's body and, and that will give you a really good indication if they're a healthy weight or not. And really it boils down to looking at the fat cover over their ribs. You can look at it, you can run your hands over their ribs. Really, you should be able to fairly easily feel your dog's ribs under the layer of skin and fat that covers them. So if you can't see you some evidence of your dog's ribs and the back of the rib cage where it moves into the abdomen, then it suggests they're carrying too much weight. You can also look at them from above. And they should have a discernible waist. So their bodies should come in just behind the ribs and you should see them getting thinner. If they're more of a one thickness all the way down, again, they're they're overweight. And on the other end of the spectrum, if they're, they're, they're underweight, you know, you'll see really prominent bony processes. The hips will be visible. The ribs will be very visible. So those are to look at on the other end of the spectrum. But it's much more common for dogs to be overweight. And that's really the best way. And there's lots of resources online that can help you and give you diagrams to show what uh, what is the right condition score for my dog. But that that's the technique I'd recommend.
0: So everyone should go home this evening and, and, and try and feel their dog's ribs. My dog's actually really, really skinny. He looks skinny and people always comment, oh, he, your dog's so skinny, but he eats so much, but he just doesn't really put on weight. And I, I went to the vet and they said, you know, it's just his natural, his natural shape. Some dogs are just naturally skinnier than others.
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, some of it comes down to breed. So, you know, greyhounds and and lurchers and whippets tend to be that very skinny. And their natural condition score is probably more like a two out of five than a three out of five. So they will be naturally bonier to look at. And probably that's true of your dog. Um, And just like people, you know, some people put on weight more easily than, than others. And the same is true of our dogs. And, you know, some people, I guess, are lucky enough to have that naturally lean physique. And the same, again, is true with our dogs.
0: So another thing that's tricky for dog owners is cost. Finding the right diet to feed your dog. It can be pretty expensive every month. So I want to get a vet's uh, input here. Is it a case of the more you pay, the better quality of food? Or is it okay sometimes to be feeding your dog a more cost effective option from the supermarket, for example?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's definitely not a straightforward line, you know, saying the more you spend, the healthier your dog is and the longer it will live. And there's some very good value foods out there which do a really good job. So, you know, if your budget just runs to a supermarket, own label, dry food, as long as it's a well-made one that's um, made to all the relevant regulations, which they all will be, to be honest, you know, it will deliver all the nutrients your dog needs and it will be perfectly adequate. You know, And you shouldn't feel bad about feeding that if that's what your your budget um, will run to. But on the other hand, you know, if you want to spend more and, and there will be incremental gains to be made by feeding a better quality food. So um, looking at the ingredients that go into it and looking for the levels of, of, of meat can be one indicator that people use for quality. But, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's more meat, that it's a better quality food. You know, the provenance of those ingredients, uh, the avoidance of artificial chemicals is, a, is another thing to look out for if you want to spend more money. There's a sort of interesting debate really about whether dogs should have a very high meat content food. And most the, the way you can spend the most money on your dog's food is by feeding them more meat. So a lot of these frozen, fresh uh, meals will have very high meat content. It's fresh meat. It's often um, fresh meat directly taken out of the human food chain. So in you know, a chicken breast or, or bits of, of of beef that would normally have gone into human food chain. So from an environmental point of view, that's not great because it's, you know, the environmental cost of that meat is is higher. And there's no real science to say that dogs do better when they're fed lots of meat. And the alternative, say insect protein or, or even vegetarian foods, can be just as healthy. Sometimes they're cheaper, sometimes they're more expensive. And um, so this is a rather long-winded way of saying, you know, cost is is not an indicator of quality necessarily, because there are a lot of expensive foods which are pretty low quality out there, you know, and they're just about marketing and hype. And there's a lot of relatively affordable foods out there which are great and you know and home cooking can be into that category so you can cook some amazingly high quality foods with lots of meat if you want to or with you know plenty of other sources of protein that you can cook at home and it might cost you half as much as a you know a, a leading processed food so there are lots of ways of doing it and it you know I don't think people should just rely on price to decide how to feed their dog they should look at quality of ingredients, the type of food they want to feed, what works for their dog, you know, and other factors such as the, you know, the environmental impact of the food, I think is a really important one for people to consider as well.
0: That was actually a really nice lead into my next question, which was going to be on home-cooked foods for dogs. It's becoming increasingly popular and there's a report recently that came out that showed five or six percent of dogs are being fed homemade diets either raw or cooked so what should an owner that's considering starting a homemade diet for their dog be aware of are there any risks
1: yes i mean there are i mean i think they tend to get overstated i mean people get very uh, anxious about the idea of home cooking for their dogs you know and forgetting in a way that we home cook for ourselves and our family and our children all the time and it you know it very rarely does it go wrong. So, you know, just need to bear that in mind and, and not get too too worked up about it. But there are some pitfalls. You know, it is possible if you're feeding just a homemade diet to lead to nutritional deficiencies or, or potentially including toxic ingredients so there's ingredients that I think a lot of people know of to avoid things like onions and tomatoes and grapes and raisins peanut butter with an additive in called xylitol that's that's not good and there's, there's other ones out there that you should avoid I mean very few of them will kill your dog if you feed a small amount so again don't tend to panic I mean chocolate is probably one that is higher up on that risk so really definitely avoid chocolate but you know the odd bit of onion or tomato is unlikely to cause any serious problems but Probably more important are nutritional deficiencies and probably the biggest one is about calcium. So particularly for growing dogs, but for all dogs, they need calcium in their diet. And they tend to get that from, you know, in their evolutionary path, they would have got that from chewing on bones and, and eating an entire carcass. Um, nowadays, they tend to get it when it's, it's added into a complete food, as in a meat and bone meal um, is added into a complete um, food. The trouble is if you cook a homemade meal and perhaps you cook minced chicken with some vegetables and you think that's a lovely complete food, you know, for me or you, that would be a lovely complete meal. But for a dog, it's really low in calcium and, and the balance of calcium and phosphorus isn't, isn't healthy. So you have to add in a source of calcium. So what we do with with the Vet Chef recipes is we provide supplements which provide calcium and, and other vitamins and minerals to make sure that every recipe is, is rounded. And that's one option. Um, but you can, you know, do it yourself. You can use things like ground up cooked ground up eggshells provide a really good source of calcium and you can add meat and bone meal you know there are other ways of providing that but that's the really important one to get right but i think if you're you know if you're providing a a well-balanced mix of of protein and vitamins and minerals with vegetables and some carbohydrate and some some protein from meat or fish or from other protein sources and as long as you're focusing on that calcium then it's a very safe and very effective and can be a very cost-effective way to feed so just the final point about homemade diets is that dogs generally really love them. And, you know, a lot of people do struggle with palatability, you know, dry foods, they're not always that palatable and the dog won't necessarily eat them and stuff. You know, I very rarely come across a dog who won't devour a homemade dish of food with gusto. So, so that's definitely an extra benefit of, of home preparing food.
0: In terms of the calcium, how about a, a raw bones, raw chicken bones? Do they work as a source of calcium or should owners be careful of giving those?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a very sort of it's become a, quite a contentious uh, debate, really, raw versus cooked in, in the, the the dog feeding world. And there are some people who are absolutely passionate about raw feeding and think it's you know any other type of feeding is uh, is really bad for your dog. And and there are you know people, a lot of vets, you know, on the other side of the camp saying well, raw feeding is dangerous and it shouldn't be done. And you know, I sort of sit in the middle really, and I think both forms of feeding can work really well. And in terms of calcium. Yes providing sort of raw meaty bones is a great way of providing calcium because you know that's akin to the you know way our dogs distant ancestors would have would have got their calcium from chewing on bones and eating bones but there are risks absolutely there's risks for the for the dog with 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 sharp pointy bones which you know people would say is, it is a minimal risk. And there are, you know, bacterial diseases, salmonella, for example, which um, you can get, dogs can get, but also people can get. So if you're handling raw chicken wings, and they're in your fridge, and you're feeding them to your dog, you know, there is a risk of contamination for people. And the other sort of downside of, of a raw diet is the risk of antibiotic resistance and and sort of bacterial transfer. And it's, you know, it is thought to, to, to be a contributing factor in that um, area as well. So, you know, it's, it's not without its risks but if done properly and following strict guidelines and really good health and safety and hygiene you know for some dogs it works really well some dogs don't get on with raw feeding at all and it can cause diarrhea and digestive upsets and be really you know i've I've come across lots of people who've tried it thinking it's the wonder way to feed their dogs and it hasn't worked but on the other hand you know for for some dogs it's really effective so i think if it's something that you're interested in for whatever reason and do your research and, and do it do it safely and properly and it it can work.
0: It sounds like doing the proper research and and speaking to a vet are pretty paramount if you're wanting to change your dog's diet in any way, in any drastic way.
1: Yes, I mean, I I would, being a vet, I I sort of, you know, not necessarily want to say this, but, you know, most vets are not particularly expert in in nutrition. It's not something that is covered in real detail in in vet school, surprisingly. So, you know, a lot of vets may not be able to give a really rounded opinion on all the different ways of, of feeding and, you know, it, it, it is true that vets make a considerable amount of their income from selling dog food. So, you know, there is that conflict of interest out there. So by all means, you know, a vet will have the best interest of your dog in heart, uh, heart and will recommend a food that, that will be appropriate for them, but they may not be able to give you such rounded advice on on home cooking or raw feeding or alternative types of feeding. So by all means, talk to your vet, but there's lots of other um, reputable ways of, of getting advice out there and, you know, a vet chef. What we're trying to do is is move beyond just talking about home cooking and, and providing really rounded, independent advisory services for people, so they can get you know an unbiased opinion on what what food suits their dog best. So you know there are other alternatives to just talking to your vet out there.
0: Another tricky area or an, an area of hot debate is the idea of vegan diets for dogs, and they are getting increasingly popular, especially as people become concerned about the environmental impacts of feeding their dogs. A lot of meat so what do you have to say about vegan diets for dogs then can they be okay what should owners know
1: yeah i mean i i think vegan diets for, for dogs are going to become more and more popular you know we, we are increasingly conscious of the environmental impact of our dogs which you know has been shown to be similar to owning a four by four car in some case you know for a biggish dog so it's not uh, a trivial matter and if you're feeding a diet which is full of beef or or you know, lamb or particularly those kind of proteins, it will have a really significant carbon footprint. And going vegan is one way to to minimize that. It you know it doesn't reduce it entirely, but it minimizes it. And I think increasingly modern vegan diets are able to provide all the nutrients a dog needs. And you know, there's there's an increasing amount of research that says that that they are safe, they are healthy. And there's some really good ones out there now which are delivering really healthy nutrition but without meat. So I think for dogs, it's absolutely something that can work. Cats is a different matter. You know, cats are obligate carnivores. They have requirements for certain amino acids and, and other nutrients, which until recently really can only come from meat. But I, I know people are making strides in developing vegan cat foods. And there are people who believe that that is going to become a viable option. But for dogs, absolutely, it is viable. And, you know, I think if, if you're particularly concerned about the environment, then you should look into some of these new brands that are coming out. I and mean, the other, you know, if you're Concerned about the environment, the other way to go is insect protein, because that has a much lower environmental cost than than traditional meats, and again can provide all the ingredients um, that, that people need. And there are some concerns with insect protein about the quality of protein. You know, how well does it translate from insect protein into dog protein? You know, what's that profile look like? And I think some more time will be required to know. You know, to give us that complete surety that insect proteins are as good as normal meat proteins, but the indications are positive. And, and I would absolutely recommend that people don't shy away from these options. And, you know, I think that they're well worth looking into.
0: My next question's a bit of a, a bit of a selfish one, but I think it might help some other, some other listeners as well. My dog, Soot, he's really fussy. And I can get him a food and we can slowly introduce it to his diet. And he starts off liking it. And then a couple of weeks later, he decides he doesn't. And I've tried toppers and I've tried the extra things you can add to their food to make it a little bit more exciting. But he's still very fussy. What advice do you have to an owner who does have a very fussy dog?
1: I guess there's two schools of thought on this. There's there's the kind of harsh, you know, uh, approach of, well, leave it down till he eats it. And if he's going to be fussy, well, he won't be fussy after two days of not eating. (laughs) Probably most modern pet parents don't want to take that approach. And, you know, it's, I'm not necessarily recommending it, but sometimes, you know, it is a behavioral thing and, you know, you have to be a bit firm. And, and if you indulge them too much and you're, you know, constantly replacing their food with a different one, they get used to that variety and, and will make your life harder. But, you know, if your dog really does go off it, maybe it suggests that, you know, that there's something in that food that really isn't working for them. So to try and find a food they, they will, they will enjoy is is worth that journey, and it might be a complete different type of food, so maybe you're on kibble at the moment, try some wet foods, you know you might find that your dog just doesn't like those hard biscuits and chewing them, maybe they've got dental issues, you know it's worth checking that their teeth are not the problem and and say looking at other types of feeding, maybe try home cooking. I mean a lot of people think home cooking is going to be loads of hassle and haven't got time for it, but actually get yourself a slow cooker, cook up a batch of you know five days worth of food at once pop it in the fridge and you know and it's you know it takes you half an hour up to, to cook that up so that's worth looking at And as i said before most dogs will love home cooked food so you know if you've got a really fussy dog that's definitely worth worth um looking into i mean other tips you can do are, are things like warming the food up serving it at room temperature um, you know adding a bit of hot water soaking kibble overnight so it's it's warmer or microwaving some wet food for 10 seconds 20 seconds make sure it's not too hot but that can just make it more palatable and release some of the aromas or add some strong smelling you know a bit of um, strong smelling fish or you know a bit of fish out of a tin or something like that just mix it in and that really adds a, a, a pungent aroma which can drive appetite in some dogs
0: he does love uh he does love fish actually every time I get uh fish flavored treats he has the best recall in the dog park <laughs> if it's anything else he's he's not really interested let's talk a bit about health conditions then I know sometimes having a health condition having a younger dog or an older dog who might have a bit of arthritis or, or diabetes does require a special diet. How important is it to get the diet? Right, or that's right for your specific dog in terms of their health conditions,
1: it can be very important. I mean certain health conditions have so kidney disease for for example, you know liver disease, diabetes, irritable bowel disease uh, pancreatitis they are all conditions which diet can play a really significant role in 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 helping treat and prevent and, and improving of the the symptoms. So in those cases, you know, can be really, really important. And the same, you know, a puppy's requirements will be very different to a to a geriatric or senior dog. You know, the amount of protein they need, the amount of energy they need, the concentration, the amount of calcium. So I think it really is important that the food you're feeding does match their requirements. I and mean, of course, all dogs, you know, generally will survive on, you know, a, an adult food and, and generally they they will be okay. But we can do better than that, I think, nowadays. And I think the rise of personalized food and tailored to different life stages and different health conditions is really positive and, and can play a really important role and, and and home-cooked foods can do that as well so you know we create recipes which are designed for dogs with renal failure for example and they have restricted levels of phosphorus and restricted levels of, of protein for, for dogs with more advanced renal failure you know dogs with pancreatitis and irritable bowel syndrome will potentially require food with low fat and with excluding certain ingredients so dogs with allergies and intolerances you know might not be able to tolerate wheat or or chicken and again the great advantage of a home-cooked diet is you can be very flexible and very tailored in what you're offering but you know there's an increasing number of commercial diets which will do that as well so there are exclusion diets out there there are diets for renal failure which you know are definitely worth looking at if your dog has the, the condition like that because you know, they will play a big role in, in potentially extending your dog's lifespan. So, you know, if they've got those diseases, I think it's, you know, diet is, is a really important way we can help tackle them.
0: We will have some people listening who have a, a puppy and we'll have some people listening who have an older dog. To finish, then, could you tell us a little bit about what are the major differences between what a puppy needs and what an older dog needs in terms of the key elements of their diet? If someone's listening and their doll's getting to about six, seven, eight, nine, What subtle changes should they make to their diet, for example?
1: Yeah, I mean, probably the biggest changes happen over the, that puppy period as they're growing quickly. So they have a very high requirement for calcium and phosphorus as their bones are growing when they're, when they're younger. So puppy food will be really rich in in those elements. Um, and then some other essential minerals um, and vitamins as well. And it will be more concentrated calorie-wise. So it will have high levels of protein to support the growth of um, muscles and, and the body as it's growing, and high levels of fat. So it's it's got more energy in it that the puppies need. So typically it will have you know, maybe 20% more energy than uh, an adult food. So it's, you know, it's that concentrated nutrition they need as they grow. As the puppy ages and becomes a young adult, an adult, those requirements tailor off and, you know, we don't want to be over providing too many um, calories for an adult dog or we tend to lead to obesity and the same with too much calcium can cause cause health problems. So it tends to become a, yeah. then um, uh, the requirements um, quieten down and become a, a typical adult food. And as dogs age, then you know they tend to get problems, skin problems, and joint problems, and and mental decline can happen in older dogs, and foods can then play can play a role in in helping with those conditions. So for for joints, things like glucosamine and chondroitin and MSM and turmeric cur- curcumin extract they can all play a role in reducing the impact of joint conditions as dogs age. So a lot of commercial foods will have those in, or people can add supplements to, to improve those, or you can add them into a homemade diet. The ingredients such as omega-3 oils can play a, a important role again in mental reducing mental decline, improving skin condition, um, heart condition. So there are lots of ingredients that get phased in as as dogs get older into those senior foods, and you know can be done with with homemade foods as well. So yeah, it is it is a really important to feed an appropriate food for your dog's life stage to to give them the maximum benefit from the, the nutrition can bring for them.
0: Thank you so much, Joe. I'm going to end there. I've learned a huge amount about doggy diets and I might just go home this evening and try and cook my dog's dinner. Thank you very much, Joe.
1: Pleasure. Great to speak to you.
0: This has been The Pet Perspective by NAPO Pet Insurance. You can find more things that your pet would want you to know at napo.pet.